0: Defense. Defense. Bro, stop it, stop it. Not what's going on everybody thanks for checking out episode 14 of the and one podcast and i hope that your day has been fantastic to this point and hey continues to be fantastic um so yeah uh we recorded this episode uh back on national women's day first female guest jessica roke uh tell you about her in just a moment so shout out to her for coming on um I promise. Me and Sammy have uh, have not purposely waited this long, uh, and we've, we've got a few things in the works. So fingers crossed on that. Um, per usual, all the all the goodies are are down in the description. So head on down there and and, and have yourself a little peek. Uh, you'll you'll notice there's um, there's also a podcast, Instagram, podcast email down there. So let us know um via those two uh places um if you think you should come on the podcast or you know somebody who you think would be great on this podcast and with nothing else to say um all i can do is is hope that you enjoy the episode and stick around peace and i think we're live right now it's rolling uh what's going on everybody Welcome back to the And One Podcast, and I, to be honest, cannot remember what episode this is, so I will have conveniently already said it in the introduction. Uh, me and Sammy, it's it's a good one, it's an interesting one, because we're actually joined by our first female guest. I know it's been, you could say we've been slacking off a little bit, it's been about 13 or 14 episodes in, we haven't had one yet, but hey, it's National Women's Day, what better day to have it? Um... And yeah, it's it's uh, Jessica Roque, the coach for the women's basketball program at the University of Waterloo here in KW Waterloo, uh, pretty obviously. And although she's the coach, she actually uh, had only come to coach here for the 2020-2021 season, which as we all know, got cancelled. So uh, yeah, I mean, kudos to her for, for coming and just having to go through a year without basketball, and still having to go through longer, and I'm sorry, it's probably making me worse uh, talking about it, so I will give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to everybody, and just say hello.
1: Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Um wrote, Jess Roke, as you mentioned, head coach of the Warriors women's basketball team, and um, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, I, I consider myself very lucky to, one, have a job, and then, two, um, to have a, a team to to lead. And even though we haven't been able to play during this time, it's been a, a treat getting to know my team and grow in different areas.
2: Yeah, and how how has that been with COVID and everything? Are you guys still running practices, and what, what does that look like?
1: Yep, right now, um Waterloo is in uh the red zone, so we are able to have small group training sessions. Um our athletes lift twice a week. Um and then once a week we'll have uh Zoom meetings which can vary from team building activities to film to even just open ended discussions and I know A lot of this time has been spent on social justice initiatives. Um, We have different initiatives that our team has done. Like last month, um, we did Shoot for the Cure, which is a fundraiser for um, breast cancer. So we kind of use that time um, as efficiently as possible, but we have tried to keep as much of a normal schedule as possible for the student-athletes.
0: That's cool, and so uh you talk about all these things that's going on uh what uh, how How large is your coaching staff like how many of these things are managed and overseen by um, other coaches and how how much of this is just yourself uh, doing that?
1: yeah, I mean I again, I consider myself very fortunate to have uh, an amazing staff um, We're quite small in numbers but large in size um, <laughs> we joke. Because uh, all my staff members are above six feet. Um, so if we were ever to have games, I'm about five, six, maybe five, seven with shoes on that mm-hmm. they would just tower over me. But um, no, th- we have three assistant coaches or I have three assistant coaches. Yep. Um, Drew Smiley uh, and then Candace and Courtney Wright. Um, and all of them are amazing just in terms of, you know, we'll prepare different things so like right now we're we're having film sessions so each of them will lead a a film session um and then on court we kind of divide things up um depending on the practice i usually have them lead certain things um drew obviously has had head coaching experience um at the jewel level so the club level and he coaches um prep in the osba so i have a lot of um trust in him to kind of leave him to his own yep. devices whereas um candace and courtney have served as assistant coaches um with a local team and uh you know they're fantastic young women and they're they learn very quickly so um, I wouldn't say it's like divided evenly in terms of like responsibilities. There's yeah. a lot of um conversations that we have so that you know they have an understanding of what it is that I wanna accomplish, but it's certainly not a dictatorship and I'm always open to their insights and feedback because I know they're coming from different backgrounds mm-hmm. and I know they each give something so different and valuable to our team.
0: Yeah, and so so Candace and Courtney um our sisters uh correct it's not some crazy coincidence
1: (laughs) no they're not related at all
0: (gasps) no way are you serious (laughs) no they're twins (laughs) i was i was i was was shocked because i i i was about to look like an idiot because they both went to the to the same university they both had very similar pathways and they both ended up at at uw i thought it was but a one percent chance that they they weren't related and, uh, no,
1: the 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 they're twins.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, <laughs> all right. Um. And and so. <laughs> do do they do they embrace the fact that they're twins and enjoy the fact that they've had the exact same pathway, or do they do they get on each other's nerves sometimes?
1: Um. You know, it's interesting because being a twin myself, um, I think that the there's a certain um. I don't know how to quite articulate this, but there's a certain, I, I guess, like, thing that goes overlooked. Like, when you're a twin, yep. you're not constantly thinking, I'm a twin and we're doing the same things. Because um, both of them have very different personalities. Um, and I'm sure have more things in common than just basketball. But, of course. Um, like, right now... Um, <laughs> Courtney works at a, at a a youth shelter in the KW area and um, Candice works um, with like young children in, like ECE. Um, so different trajectories, but they both have a knack for basketball. And I think, um, I don't think they probably sought it out that way, but I'm certainly happy they did because I, now I have both of them.
0: Yeah, and you ditched yours. Uh, you you ditched your twin along the uh along the coaching path, I guess, as well.
1: I think she she ditched me, but she's a, a <laughs> UW alumni and and spent many years and a lot of her money for her pharmacy degree. So I think she's quite happy in her field of work. <laughs>
0: no way, that's
2: awesome. No. Yeah. Um. Just so taking it back, you know, you've had a pretty good coaching career so far. How did you really start to? Get into the basketball world was it maybe like a past playing career like do you want to speak on that?
1: Um, do you mean in regards of coaching, like how I got into coaching or how I got into basketball or how like
2: how you got how you got into basketball in general
1: yeah, um well, this was like decades ago, but uh when I was younger my my brother had a friend that played um, in a filipino house league and so my father's filipino and um my brother started playing and kind of got all my cousins and my sister into playing and um i initially said no i didn't i didn't want to play uh, because i was in grade three and had way too much homework and (laughs) Half, I think it was like halfway through the season, I would get dragged out to like games and practices and like halfway through the season, I realized how much fun everyone was having. And so I said to my mom, like, I want to play. And so they threw me on a team halfway through the season and the rest of it was history.
0: Sweet. And so so you ended up uh, going on to play uh, university ball in the States, I believe.
1: Um, so I, I, my sister and I both took uh, scholarships to Cleveland State University. It's a, a D1 and like a mid-major conference in Ohio. Um, I did end up serving as a graduate assistant there, um, as well as had my first assistant coaching gig um, at Cleveland State. Um, I can't say I, I've like bopped around too much, but um, I also like coached at, A local club here in in Oakville Um, when I came came back to do more schooling and uh, yeah got into you know the provincial side of things during my time at Ryerson um, which served as like really really great experience um and, you know, all of it, all of it, I still kind of use in different ways to this day. And it's, it's served me well so far as the first few months of being a head coach.
0: Yeah. And so did you start, um, what was your first coaching gig with that EU14 girls team? Or was it something prior to that?
1: No, I think my very first coaching gig, um, I mean, if you're not, if you're not including um like a graduate assistantship, um would have been the club out of Oakville that I coached with. Oh, okay. And I I wasn't really like on staff, um like on a bench. I was more just yep. like a skills coach and strength coach. And then I didn't get my first job until um uh, I think it was like 2015 at Cleveland State.
0: Okay. And so um what what made you choose um y- kind of u sports division older um players over uh coaching the the younger girls teams or is it or is it really more of like a financial choice and it's something you'd still uh be interested in if it wasn't um like a business move i guess
1: yeah well the provincial team usually spans over the summer months Uh, So it's not a full-time gig. And I was already working at Ryerson as an assistant full-time. So coaching the provincial team in the summer was really an opportunity for myself, um, you know, to network, but then also to command the team as a head coach, as opposed to an assistant coach. Mm and. And so th- those usually overlap, and there is a lot of i'll say downtime as as a u sport coach um in the summer, so we kind of use that as as an opportunity or I use it as an opportunity to grow myself as a coach um and growing myself as a coach is getting more experience mm-hmm. um so it wasn't really. There's never really a choice of, like, either or. Um, I do enjoy that age group, uh, the U14. That, that was the first time I had coached that age group. Um, but I I firmly feel that my place is at the university level. It, it always has been. Um, and not to knock the other age groups, I just really enjoy um, this period of, of life for individuals. It's It's where I feel like I have the greatest impact um yeah yeah Yeah, um, coaching
2: is kind of like it's nice to uh, every coach has to kind of unless they're like a really big former player like a star they kind of have to start out at a lower level and then like climb up all the way to the top and that's that's what i really enjoy about coaching
0: yeah, it's always uh, – Sammy's right. It's always super interesting to hear how coaches got the decisions that they did because it's never the same. And it's always interesting because, I mean, like you went down to the States, um, right, as, as a playing career. You started coaching there. You came up to Canada. You were doing stuff with U18. I already went over it. Um, but it's just this kind of crazy pathway. Did you imagine yourself being at UW – um, I know that you, you mentioned your sister graduating there. Did did she have uh, a lean on on you deciding to come to UW? What what caused that, and do you think it was something that you would have um, predicted five ten years ago?
1: I would say absolutely not. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I I didn't know I wanted to get into coaching um, even as late into my like mid twenties, and so. Right. I I can't even recall like you know being being in high school or even being in university saying to myself like I'll, I I'll never coach like seeing you know the things that my coaches went through as a division 1 athlete and just the lifestyle that they they live like you know late nights, long hours, road trips um none of that really appealed to me at the time um, so to, to say that I saw myself here five, 10 years ago, um, would be, would be a far stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but what yeah. I can say it about like coming to UW, I think, I think it was a series of events that aligned, um, that allowed me to be here. Cause I can even recall like, um, Craig Nichol, who... Um, was a previous coach a couple years ago when he first got the job at UW, and I was still like fresh into my assistant coaching career at, at Ryerson. He was like, "You should have applied for the job," and
0: I was like, yeah, no, "No way, I man! Should. Like,
1: are you are you kidding me? Like, I'm I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm I'm so far down the line, and and so I mean, I still talk to Craig, and he's a, a dear friend and a mentor of mine, so. I think that it was a slow, gradual coming to a realization and an actualization of how I ended up at UW.
2: Yeah, and um, you said you know you played at a D one school, you played a pretty high level of basketball. Do you how how do you think that helps you with your coaching now, or does it help you at all?
1: Yeah, it helps me uh, tremendously. I mean, I draw a lot on my playing years and playing experience, but then even more to that, like, a lot of the times when I'm thinking about how I want to coach, I think about how I would have wanted to be coached as an athlete. And so there's this constant back and forth of, of things that I even experienced as a player. Um, of course and how things that I would like to keep and things that um, I'd like to change or need to change because of the times Um, but I I draw on that very often and I mean I consider myself a players coach like I I like to be out on the floor with the athletes and so um, I try to keep myself fit and in shape so I'm able to do so but I when I believe that when you're able to understand what your athletes are going through, um, it can only make me a better coach. So I try to live in that space, think in that space as often as I can.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's awesome. Um, during a, like a, a typical practice, what would be your role, uh, as a, I guess, assistant coach and well, I guess, yeah, since you are running, uh, practices, what you are doing now as a head coach, and what you would be doing um, without COVID restrictions. I'm not sure how bad or how um, how much those affect your practices. Uh, to be completely honest,
1: yeah, they they only impact our practices in in that we're not able to you know have contact or <laughs> play like live play. So it does impact how we instruct and then we also have to wear masks so um there's communication i'll say restrictions rather than barriers we're just restricted we're not completely impeded from from communicating so that's different um but because there's smaller groups we end up having a lot of um more i'll say intimate interactions because the the coach to player ratios are different and um the prep time is is a lot is a lot different as well we have maybe 5 minutes as a coaching staff to kind of discuss what it is we want to accomplish um is right that... now we're just
0: yeah, is is that due to do? The, do they give you like a certain time limit on the building, and then once you get there, it's like five minutes discuss and then go, or is that a beforehand thing?
1: Yeah, no, that's a COVID thing. Like we're given ten minutes prior to the training time to enter the building. Jeez. So, I mean, it's like you get in, take your shoes off, and then talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And then we have forty five minutes on court, and then we're up. We're out the door. So the, the time, the turnaround is pretty quick, um, which again, like I meet with my staff bi-weekly. So we we try to hash out things. And then we have like a group chat too, but yep. we try to hash out things ahead of time because we know we don't have a ton of time on court. Um,
0: yeah, it'd be sort of a nightmare uh, trying to do it any other way.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those things are very different, but I, I would say in a in a typical... Practice I'm all over the place. Like we we were always one both well at Ryerson and, and a little bit in the fall we we film our practices. Okay. Um but if you if you ever watch game or practice film, I'm running around the court everywhere trying to get different angles and looking at D- things. So D- it can D- it can still be chaotic, COVID or no COVID.
0: I know um as coming from the perspective of like a player or a past player and knowing that how something's supposed to be done and that you physically could probably do it do you ever find yourself like just grabbing a ball and showing somebody how to do it is that is that typical or do you kind of have to take a step back and uh explain things through rather than just kind of be running all over the place? Hmm. I'd say early
1: on in my career, there was a lot of taking the ball and just showing and demonstrating. I, I will still demonstrate
2: to mm-hmm. the
1: athletes, but I think there's more value in the athletes understanding it in their own body and their with their own mechanics. And so a lot of times now, I'm trying to find the connector that that helps the athlete. And I'm sure... You guys have heard this before, but there's different ways to learn. There's kinesthetic through movement. There's audio, visual. Um, and so, so do you try to incorporate ways. all those? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's why we, you know, supplement things with film. All, I'm a big believer in telling stories and analogies. Um, I think they stick better. So I try to use those where and when possible Um, and then if it's really not sticking, then I'll be like, all right, give me a ball and let me try to show you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, for sure. And do, so I guess you said that it's, it's more of, you know, helping those people that are more auditory or, um, audio learners. Um, that's been something that's progressed, um, throughout your career, uh, how do you think that that uh, how do you th- how do you think that balance should play out between physically showing and kind of telling people what to do?
1: It depends, right? It depends on the athlete. Again, like we'll we'll show we'll teach in, in a multitude of different forms. For example if we're going through scout um and we haven't done a scout yet with with our team obviously with no season yeah. but we've even done you know video review of our practice and I'll show them what they're doing on film mm-hmm. I'll show clips of what I want them to be doing we'll talk about it um so the, they're seeing the visual of from the film yeah. we'll talk through The actions and what's going on. So we have our own kind of Waterloo women's basketball glossary of of terms that that we'll use. Okay. And then the kinesthetic is actually like going on the court and and doing it. It's the forty-five
0: that you get a week or twice a week or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we always try to hit them from different angles. Now, if we're one-on-one, that's when I. Think it depends on the individual. So if I know someone has to get reps to understand it, I'll just yeah. let them rep it out as opposed to talking about it, because I think it's more beneficial or better use of their time in that sense.
0: Yeah, and is it is it typical to film practices? Is that something that um, you hear other coaches do a lot, um, or is that is is that something that more? you found that just you do, or you picked it up from somebody who's more unique in that way?
1: I don't know if it's typical. It was typical at Ryerson. It will be typical at UW um, with my program. I think it, in large, depends on the the team's resources. Do you have someone that can film for two hours or however long your practice is? I Right now, because do we're doing... Do you have someone, or is it just
0: like a tripod... <laughs>
1: um because of covid we don't have have we aren't able to have enough bodies in in, in our training environment but in the past we have had some like managers that will film or will just go up and set the camera up so it doesn't need to be turned but i often because we're doing a lot of individual work right now i'll, I'll walk around with my phone in my pocket not because i'm waiting for a call or trying to send a text message but I'll, i'll pop out my phone and just like film one or two things um that i feel would be a benefit for
0: an athlete to see in the moment gotta to remember to take it out before you start I'm showing people how to do the drills though i know i i've, I've had phone ba- basketball like no other sport gets your phone flying out of your pocket i'll just say oh that. i'm ne-
1: never moving that
0: fast Okay, fair. maybe maybe I'm just inefficient. Maybe I'm just inefficient when I play. It. I can't claim that I can't. I can't claim I've ever played U Sports or D1. Yeah, or key
1: key to uh, good coaching attire is deep pockets, deep pockets yeah. and many pockets.
0: Learn something new every episode.
2: It's pretty. It's pretty. It sounds pretty comp- like professional compared to. I think my my high school coach Whitey. He's filmed me like once, and it was just he just pulled out his personal phone and he was like. Why are you shooting the basketball like that? I'll take a video of you and show you how, how bad you look. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty dedicated. Um, so you were, you, you, co- you coached for the Kings for a day. How how was that experience and sounded like sounded great. How, how was it?
1: It was awesome. It, it was a short week. It went by pretty quick, but, uh, they actually let me lead um, a bit of the scout, which was really neat. Um, that was more than than what I expected. But I think the biggest takeaway for me from the week was just how to conduct yourself as a professional. I mean, everybody on staff to the guys that are, are playing or they're technically trying out, you know, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for the G League a G league roster spot and, and um, just the level of, you know, focus for that, for that time of the year um, was very high. And then just the, the, the way they conducted themselves and operated, I, I felt like it wasn't very far off from what we were doing at the esports level, um, working on very, very different budgets, but it was encouraging to see that, The way that they conducted themselves were, were things that were attainable.
0: Yeah, and you you talked about uh, you know, you just mentioned how you learned how to act like a professional. I think traditional professionalism is kind of, it's morphing. I mean, or or we're we're moving away from it into a newer um, form. How do you how do you think what what would be considered a professional? kind of dressing acting speaking coach maybe 20 30 years ago would change or would differ from one today and maybe one in five or ten years the way you see it playing out
1: that's a great question i think coach and this isn't to knock any of i don't can't say i've had previous coaches like this but this isn't to knock any current coaches uh, well, you gotta so add the way. little disclaimer. Yeah, but I think coaches of the past were very authoritative in that this is my way, and this is what you need to do. And what's changed now is is there's a lot more co-creation. Um, we don't expect our our athletes to be robots. We want their opinion. I want their opinion. I want to know what's working, what's not working, I wanna know how they're feeling. Um so there's a there's a lot more collaboration when it comes to um the player coach relationship, um, as opposed to this authoritarian figure.
0: Do you and, think that, that takes away from your um, your word and your kind of influence as a coach, or do you think it adds to it? Cause I mean, obviously, the tr- like the traditional ways, if I'm not authoritative, then I have no power. Right. That was the traditional mindset.
1: Right. I think it adds to it, but I, I think there are ways you can do it and not add value. Um, so if I was like wishy washy and, and asking my athletes, well, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Like, should we do this? Like, if I'm questioning my own leadership, it will be very mm-hmm. difficult for them to to follow suit or for them to feel encouraged to have a voice. Um,
0: so, so kind I, of like think, em- empowering others versus like rather than just questioning yourself?
1: Right. Like there is a time and place, I believe, mm-hmm. but you, you – I would say you, I mean me as a coach – have to come prepared, in what scenarios could present, and you're helping the athletes like guide, guide your decision making based on what you've prepared.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, like ask ask any like high school basketball team what they want to do for practice, and they'll just say like, oh yeah, let's just scrimmage the whole time, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> you, you can't. You, yeah, <laughs> you, it's it's not a uh it, it's not a choose your own adventure, um, but. But I think it's important, and I think that, you know, as a game evolves, we see it, even in, like, the highest um, leagues, like the NBA, you see that athletes have um, much more of a, a voice uh, now. So, yeah, I think that that's super cool, and it's super important to talk about. And I'm going to kind of, like, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, uh, if that's all right. Uh, yeah. You are stepping into a Waterloo uh, program that did not have... The most um, amount of success it was not an amazing team, I think, to put it politely. Um, in the 2019-2020 season, uh, I believe they had a record of 3-19 and or somewhere around there. So, as a coach stepping in, there's kind of some good and bad things about that. The bad thing is you're not given much to, deal- to work with, but at the same time, you are given Something to work with, which is that it's 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 all on you to build it, and you get to do it kind of your way, so how are you going to be kind of approaching your tackling this head coach job?
1: yeah, well, if we were going based off of the last question that's it's not all up to me and it it's not my way or the highway so i i I wouldn't say that uh I'm doing this alone. I think what um was lacking in previous years was just the consistency of of leadership, right? They've had like three different or now four, including myself, four different head coaches in the past five years. And so when you're not able to, um, have consistency, it it becomes really difficult to, to build momentum. And I believe we are in a great place now, um, despite covid i i actually think covid has benefited our team and that we've had more time to connect and prepare and aren't just rushed into, you know, a series of games. Now, don't get me wrong, i would i would have loved to have had a season this year and, and gained some ex- experience that way, but um i think one of the most remarkable things when i first got the job in the summer was just how committed the athletes were to turning the program around and still are. And so I was very encouraged by that. I'm still very encouraged by that. We will certainly add pieces as a coaching staff um, in terms of recruiting and, and bringing in, you know, skilled athletes and, and amazing human beings and individuals to, to help grow the program that way. But I'm very encouraged with the amount of work that's been put in with the, the remaining team members. And, you know, we lost, or the team lost Kate Overeem uh, last season to a season ending ACL injury. And she was rookie of the year, her, her rookie year. And, you know, we have her back and her leadership for us is tremendous
0: so so she'll be a, she'll be a junior next year. Yeah, she'll be a a junior third year again. But
2: Yeah, and you you spoke about recruiting. Have you been I know you said you're hired this time last year. So were you doing any recruiting and do you want if so, do you want to speak on any of the new recruits that you've brought in?
1: Yeah, I can't um speak publicly cuz none of them are official yet, but uh-huh. um we have been recruiting. Um, or I have been recruiting since my hire, and obviously the recruiting looks different. Um, but recruiting never stops; it never ends; it, it's continuous. Yeah. So we will can. I I say we, I mean myself and my coaching staff will continue to recruit and as long as we're allowed to have phones.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say talking about allowed to have um, phones communicate, but. I mean, I I would assume that with with COVID and everything, most of the actual recruiting itself is also virtual. I think I think you mentioned that. Is it? Are are there any leagues uh, that you'd like to be recruiting, but that you can't just because you're unable to get um film, or is film access actually pretty good um for the kind of recruiting class of twenty one?
1: For the there's two I'll say main leagues in Ontario there's the Jewel League and the OSBA and so they're they're very good at having film now mind you the Jewel season was cut short um, so there's only a couple weeks of of game film on there but um, that makes things really accessible but for the most part when it comes to recruiting you know recruits are sending in their highlight films they're sending in there were workout films from July when they were shooting outside with their mom. Um, they're <laughs> they're sending you know film from a,
0: over a year ago, which like, is Insta- which is Instagram mixtape style kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and so it's it's been kind of a a different approach this year versus others. Um, so it's been difficult in that sense to like really assess um, athletes, but. You know we make we make do with what we have and
0: yeah i so i I was looking at um at the roster, and I noticed um correct me if I'm wrong, you only have a one maybe two max players um currently that are out of that 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 would be coming in from outside of ontario um is is that correct am I correct in saying that
1: uh we have one out of province, yeah, she's from
0: okay manitoba yeah, yeah and so it, nothing um out of canada are there are there rules on um the nationalities of players that you can have or even from what province um they're from and is this something you're looking to change or it just kind of best recruit gets in
1: i believe U Sports does have an official rule for international players I think the number for basketball is 3. Okay. Um, but the question is is whether you can afford a national international player or not. Um I certainly don't have any stipulations against bringing in out of country or out of province athletes. I think if they have an interest in our program and we have an interest in them then We can we we'll find ways to to make it happen. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh. So, so that's that's I guess a pathway that you'd be that you'd be open to kind of looking into in the future. I'm sure recruiting this year is Uh is hard enough as it is. Um, and there's only so much uh, you can say about it. So, not too much further to uh, read into that. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, I mean, kinda uh moving forward uh you talked a little bit about uh recruiting, if you are really trying to turn this program around um before we even talk about uh i well actually, I do want to talk about culture, and this question is pretty directly connected to it when building a culture um when building leadership, um, which you mentioned is very important, how important to you is it um, for there to be both a a leader um, in the form of a coach and a leader that is a player on the team? Or do you think as long as there is leadership coming from one area, that that, 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 that works or that's good?
1: It can work. It's not the structure we have on our team. Um, I believe everybody is a leader in their own right, but I know it's my job as a as a head coach to ensure we have pathways for people on our team to be successful as leaders. So we have a, a leadership team that consists of four of our current team members. Um, so. Myself and our coaching staff will sit in on those meetings um, biweekly as well. And these are individuals that were identified by their peers as well as identified by our, our staff. So you could call them captains. I call them our, our leadership group. Um, I think it's paramount for the success of our team, especially you know, in game and, and with the way that our our rules work here in Canada. So FIBA rules, it's very unlike the American NCAA style of play where you don't like what you see, so you call a timeout. Um, we can only call timeouts on dead balls. And yeah. so if, if I don't want to burn one of my timeouts or if the play is live, I'm relying on the athletes to instruct themselves and know what they're doing. And certainly there's, you know, there's different ways we can call out to them and and whatnot, but I find it way more effective when, when you have great leaders that can command the floor and, and, um,
0: rather than you like running up and down the sidelines, waving your arms. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I think the question before about like demonstrating and showing I can only show them to so much and like, I'm not putting the ball in the hoop. They are. So it's, it's way faster if, if they have the tools that they feel like that they need. But then I think beyond that, it's, it's a life skill, right? It's the whole reason why people probably pick up a ball in the first place, or at least their parents force them to pick up a ball in the first place is not so they learn you know how to put the ball between their legs but they're they're learning how to be a better person they're learning valuable life skills that they can carry with them beyond beyond the
2: sport yeah um a question we usually ask to coaches when we ask, ask to um justin too would be like what, what was like their craziest coaching story like any feuds and stuff like that but you actually played D1 and we've never had anyone who's played for a D1 school to is it is there any arenas you've been to there where the fans were just really crazy any stories you'd like to tell
1: uh for my playing days yeah I would say Arizona State we played there my junior year in a preseason WNIT tournament and I'm gonna drop names that you may or may not know, but Brienne January was on the team at Arizona at the time, and um, I think I had to match up with, against her a couple of times, and I just thought that that was amazing. Um, their men's team had a had a game right after ours. Um, I don't know if you guys know who James Harden is, but James Harden was on the team at the time. Yes.
0: <laughs> No way! So, um, so did you, did you uh, did you stick around to watch that game? Or?
1: We did, but like, I didn't know who I know who I knew who Brian January was. I had no idea who James Harden <laughs> was at the time, and so you know he was throwing down dunks, and they're like, "Oh, this is his, this is their guy," and like he's awesome. And I was kind of just, I didn't uh, really think two ways about it. But yeah. their student section was incredible. They're they're the Sun Devils. Mm -hmm. Um, so every time they step to the free throw line, they, they sing like angels, like, (laughs) oh, but when it's like 30 to like a hundred people all going, oh, it really sounds like you're in heaven. And (laughs) whenever they sink the free throw, they go swoosh at the Mm -hmm. end. And I thought that was a really neat tradition, um, that they had.
0: Yeah. it's awesome. Uh, and yeah, I, I hope you're, uh, you're, you're happy with, uh, how the, how the Waterloo, uh, crowd treats you. I'm sure, I'm sure the uh, school spirits will be good and, and you'll have, uh, you know, a good, a good, uh, good fan section behind you to keep you motivated, uh, in a game. Keep you confident. I hope so. I hope,
1: stick. I hope we can have fans.
0: Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Right. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't even know if I have an me. uh, to to talk about covid anymore i'm so sick of it um but yeah just just to move on wrap things up we always like to ask one final question um at the end uh, of the episode and that is quite simply uh to have our is why do you do the work that you do um nothing more to it
1: why do i coach um i love it i love the game um I love the people. I love the relationships, the places that I get to go, um, and I love, I love that it makes me a better person. Um, as much as I, I use my own family background to be a better coach. I feel like the game gives back to me and, and teaches me things about myself and things and ways that I can be um, a better daughter, a better sister, a better friend and a better partner.
0: That's awesome. Uh before we, you know, say thanks, say goodbye to everybody, just want to give you um just the opportunity to give a shout out to anything you want. So maybe social medias or the team or anything. I'll I'll have anything in the description. This is more time for anything that people might not be aware of. I know we've had a few people on that have had like charities they run or anything. Not everybody does, but just wanted to give you the opportunity.
1: Yeah, if you want to give our team a follow, I think our handle is wluwbb. Um, you can give me a follow at jroke50. And, yeah, whenever we have games next season, I hope fans can and do come out to support. And if not, you can stream them online. But uh, I appreciate you guys for having me on today.
0: Yeah. All right. That's awesome. From me and Sammy, we want to thank you for everybody listening. We want to thank you. And I'm sure yeah, thanks. they would like to thank you for coming on and giving us this 40 sub minutes together. So yeah, um, that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Peace.